Hi Adam, this is Cody. I'm based in Jakarta in Indonesia. Got the beautiful sounds of the call to prayer in the background. Just sending you a message to say I've recently stumbled across your podcast. Really uh, interesting stuff. Mainly madness, but congratulations on starting it up and keeping it up. See you later. Welcome to episode 26 of Talking Wild Madness. This is Adam and that was Cody from Jakarta, Indonesia calling in to say hello and Cody is a psychology student who as part of her studies is taking a, a unit in a teaching course or I think it's a teaching course or a humanities course and is now along with uh, eight or nine other students finds herself in in a place where she would never I imagine would have found herself in otherwise and they are digging wells and they are putting in toilets and they are making lunches they are breaking breaking bread uh, apparently they're drinking secret beers as well because it's a uh, it's a predominantly Muslim region so every now and then every now and then someone who knows a guy goes and sees that guy and comes back with some uh, comes back with some some icy cold illegal beer apparently it's not much but it it it, it just lifts the western spirit a little bit um, but it's great it's it's absolutely amazing to well it's absolutely amazing that Talking Wild Madness is now being listened to in some capacity in Indonesia, but it's absolutely great to see a bit of intercontinental um, bread-breaking connection and for all the the horror and turmoil that you hear from day to day and uh, the, the, the rants and raves of how the world is collapsing and how the world is ending and and how all things are, are, are spiraling out of control. Uh, there are millions upon millions of people doing the kinds of things that uh, that that Cody and her her fellow students, her colleagues are doing. And uh, yeah, it reminds me of of a great uh, TED talk by Steven Pinker, who goes through the last hundred years. And he, he's, I think he's, and I don't mean to, I don't mean to, uh, to, to use this in a pejorative sense, but I think he's a statistician and, and he goes through, you know, 50 years ago, there were X amount of conflicts around the world. The infant mortality rate was such and such. The literacy rate was such and such. And, and he goes through all the categories and he basically over the course of a, of a 18 minute Ted talk explains that the world is actually improving by almost every measure and and then he says at the very end which was really which i thought was probably the most beautiful part he said the fact that the world is improving it's actually not getting worse it's actually getting better by almost every measurable standard uh, that's only that's only due to people putting in the effort to make it better so it's not a sense of the world is getting better so everybody sit back and relax it's the world is getting better so everybody keep going everybody keep trying 
everybody everybody go go on a study trip to to Indonesia and and dig a well and install a toilet and sneak illegal beers behind the behind the hotel you know uh, at, at the end of at the end of the night or whatever it is the world is a fascinating place man we are out the front here we're we're we're, out, we're on location this is where the very first podcast was uh we're on the we're on the porch stories bench wilco is running around i think there's a neighbor with his lawnmower going i can hear it i don't know if you guys can hear it hopefully well maybe hopefully hopefully you can or hopefully you can't i don't know whatever makes it whatever makes it better uh it's very it's very still and uh, I kind of live in a bird sanctuary here and there's the, the the birds wake up early in the morning I think they're waking up at about 4:30 which is okay cuz I wake up at about 4:30 but they are humming they're still going there's still plenty of light uh so they're they're putting in long days as well the the, the um there were some baby magpies I actually saw a beautiful thing this morning just just uh, on the edge of the veranda there were three uh what i think were new magpies baby magpies but they weren't like baby baby magpies they looked almost like normal magpies and from from the little research that i've done into magpies is that the three magpies that i saw were possibly siblings or pro- possibly brothers and sisters and there was this incredible thing there was two of them that were pecking in the grass because the grass has been once again the grass has been mowed and one of them was not pecking he wasn't finding much success out there at all and he was making this kind of uh, light squawking sound magpies have a beautiful warble if 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 that's what it's called they have a beautiful warble but this young fella his his warble was not quite his voice hadn't broken yet so he was he he was struggling a little bit and it it was quite an annoying little adolescent warble and that's actually what made me look out and I think wow what who's that what's going on and he was making quite a lot of noise so it wasn't i think most birds have come to the realization that that they uh they have to kind of whatever it is in their heads that they're saying it can't sound too obtrusive otherwise humans will get rid of them but this little adolescent he was basically i suppose like a teenager and he was uh he was squawking at the world he didn't really know he didn't really know what to do he didn't know the balance between asking for help and and trying to become his own magpie so he was he was making a a loud mess of himself and i suppose anybody who has a teenage son or or daughter might might um might know exactly what I'm talking about but the other two magpies they were they were beautiful they were onto it they were catching a few uh a few bugs and then the most remarkable thing happened i saw one magpie not the squawker i saw one another his sibling had a bug in his mouth and he ate the bug and then he went and got another one almost straight away and his other sibling was hopping around and 
the sibling, whether it was a he or a she, wasn't trying to snatch the bug out of, of the magpie's mouth at all. It wasn't like a bunch of seagulls. When you watch seagulls interact with each other, my lord, it's like it's like watching, it's like watching, uh, um, it's like walking through a Malaysian shopping center, through the IT section and having all those all those IT merchants just just yell at you, yell at you to come and buy a computer. It, it's pure savagery, and which is why they which is why they sell so many, which is why they're so good at it. It was like you know, so but it wasn't like. It wasn't like seagulls fighting over a chip or a French fry for our American audiences. Uh, the, the magpie saw her brother or her sister or his brother or her or her, his sister catch the second bug and was just hopping around. And then the magpie who had caught the second who had caught the second bug actually went over to the other magpie, not the squawking, not the squawking mess. But he actually went over to the other magpie and put his mouth into his sibling's mouth really gently almost like a parent but it wasn't a, it wasn't the parent it wasn't a parent magpie it was a young it was a young magpie and he just went over and gave this it kind of looked like a the beetle looked dried and dead that he had in his mouth but he just handed he just handed it over and said, "Hey, look, I've just had one. You take the next one, you know. And uh, and if you get hungry a bit later on and you still can't find one, I got you. I I got you covered." It was really gorgeous. It was really really touching. And we've had a bit of a milestone again. Another milestone. Not only is it not only is Cody uh, calling in from Jakarta enjoying the podcast I can't I really can't believe it I really really cannot believe it it's uh it's so incredible we we are now represented in three states of the union of the American United States of America uh the very first listener talking wild madness has had was from New York and the the, the the audience that was in New York we, we never heard from so I don't know I don't know I don't know who or how many people that were listening uh, and then our our second uh, incursion was to East Texas where our man Ed was waiting for us and Ed was the very first man to call into the podcast. And and he gave us he gave us he gave us his endorsement, which was which was just gorgeous. Um, uh, I, I think that that might be an American word. I mean, I, I know other people use that word, but I think Americans use the word endorsement to truly mean something quite personal. Uh, where maybe in Australia you might say, "Hey, I like this podcast," or um, oh, th- "These cards, I- I'd recommend this car." You know, um, "Oh, those shoes, yeah, I'd buy those shoes." Oh, you play tennis? Oh, you have to get this racket. It's yeah, I'd recommend it. Whereas, whereas the Americans, I think, the, I think to endorse something, the person who's endorsing it is actually putting their own character on the line. So they're they're it's like a it's a vouch it's uh 
if you're a tennis player, oh, you have to get the. No, I don't know anything about tennis. I, I, I think is Dunlop a racket? Is that a good? Is that a good racket? You know, so American would would say if they truly believe that the racket is excellent, they will say, I endorse this racket. And that works all the way all the way up into the political system. But we've reached another milestone, and and the Talking Wild Madness uh, podcast is now available for the very first time on Apple Podcasts. So if you've been listening on on Anchor or Breaker or or Pocket Casts or Spotify or um, or, or any of the other platforms, it took I don't know why it took a while, but it's it's taken um, it's taken a month or two. But we're now available on Apple uh, Podcasts. And for some reason, we just got an enormous spike of listeners overnight once the Apple Podcasts, uh, once it went live on Apple Podcasts. We got ten. We got a 10% jump in listeners overnight, which was super cool. And most of them, for some reason, were from Virginia. Uh, now I don't know much about Virginia, and I, I'm going to have to brush up on my American geography. I think it's the state south of New York. I don't know if it's the direct southern state or if it's just a little bit, like if it's if it's one or two states down. I'm pretty sure it's a cold state. I'm pretty sure they have snow. I don't know John Denver saying about it a little bit. And I think there are there are uh, earthly people living in Virginia. So, well, can I please take this this opportunity, this small amount of time, to welcome everybody from Virginia who's listening? And uh, you know, as always, if you want to jump on the on the uh, voicemail and leave a and talk some wild madness of your own and, and leave a... I, th- I think they cap it out at a minute, which I don't think is fair, but I think they cap out the, the message you can leave at a minute. But if you want to jump jump on Anchor uh, website and just type in Anchor Talking Wild Madness and you can leave a voicemail. And uh, you'll join the ranks of Cody from Indonesia, Sandy from Manitoba, Canada, Karen from Perth, Western Australia, and Ed, our man in East Texas, uh, so, so yeah, very, very, very exciting, really exciting things, uh, and and just just lovely, lovely to be a part of. Myself and Ed have been emailing each other, messaging each other. We're actually we connected through LinkedIn, and uh, we've been sending each other uh, cake recipes. Ed Ed has been doing some baking during the week. And I had made a uh, a Thai vegetable coconut soup during the week. So Ed, I think Ed's Ed's recipe was, and Ed, please forgive me if you're listening. It was a Lebanese biscuit, uh, or or it, for the Virginians, Texans, and and our listeners in New York, they were uh, Lebanese um, cookies, and they kind of look like. Small biscuits. They look kind of. They're a cross between a, a croissant shape and a fortune cookie. They're you roll them into long fingers, the dough, and then you kind of you, you curl them around, but then you cross them over. So he sent me this recipe, so I'm going to make it. I'm, I'm going to make it. 
and uh, yeah it's just super uh, uh this this word just keeps coming up over and over again and i really apologize if, if it's if, but i'm just so grateful to be able to share biscuit recipes with someone from east texas and i'm able to hear about well digging projects in in indonesia um I was watching a video of a young man who had gotten a hold of Benjamin Franklin's autobiography. And I haven't read Benjamin Franklin's autobiography. I know a little bit about Benjamin Franklin. I know he was a little bit of an eccentric. I know he was, I think he was over six feet tall. He was like six foot one or two. And apparently he used to be, uh, he, he used to work as a printer, and he was also apparently a terrible womanizer. I'm not sure if that was true, but apparently he was a bit of a womanizer. And he and this is, this is always fascinating, because I imagine when he was growing up as a 20-year-old man in Philadelphia, and, and, and please correct me if I'm wrong on any of these actual details, but when he was growing up in Philadelphia and people were getting around with horse and carts and everyone was getting around with candlelight and and oil and that kind of stuff you know i don't know how cuz i don't think for, i don't think philadelphia would have been that big so i, I don't know how you get the reputation as a womanizer unless being a womanizer you'd like maybe kiss three women on the cheek maybe kiss three women on the cheek in a year and that might get you the reputation as a womanizer or maybe I'm completely uh, idealizing the past, and maybe Ben Franklin, maybe maybe Ben Franklin was an absolute monster, and, uh, and and wreaked havoc with all kinds of all kinds of things, including democracies. Um, but this fella, this guy who made this YouTube video, he got a hold of his autobiography. Actually, it's interesting because Benjamin Franklin becoming a great man. There's a theory that to be a great man, you actually just have to be a little bit larger, as a not as opposed to similarly to King Henry VIII. King Henry VIII apparently was about six foot one as well, six foot two, about the same size as Benjamin Franklin, and apparently at that time, and obviously it would be a little bit older for for um, the Tudor, King Henry VIII. But at that time, that was a towering difference. That was a, it was a huge difference to be, the average height was considerably lower than it is now. So the story goes. So there's this idea of just actual physical presence gives people a confidence to pursue, to pursue what you might consider to be madness if it doesn't work out or what you might consider to be greatness if if the if whatever the pursuit happens to be successful but this this guy got a hold of of Benjamin Franklin's daily routine and you know it was like it was up at four in the morning and you, you know you went through the morning routines and you read the paper and then you did you know you wrote in your journal what you wanted to accomplish that day and then you'd go to work and you'd work for three or four hours and then you'd you know do this then you do that then you do that and it went on and it went on and it was a very considered day 
it wasn't a day where you would get up and we'd just see what happens. It wasn't. A, it wasn't. A, it wasn't. He wasn't a Taoist. Benjamin Franklin was not a Taoist. Now, it's every chance Benjamin Franklin was absolutely a Taoist, but judging by his schedule, he wasn't. Not to say that he wasn't, but judging by his schedule, he wasn't. By the way, do you ever realize that those people who tell you, hey, you shouldn't judge, that they're actually doing that to you, that they're actually judging you in that moment right there? Hey, you shouldn't be so judgmental. Well, that's a judgment. So this man tried to recreate, and he, and he was only going to do it for a week. And I, I think this man lives, he's a young man, he, he looks maybe 25, 26, and he lives in, I think it's Florence, I think he lives in Italy, because he has these series of, he lives, he does like a week of Benjamin Franklin's schedule, and then he did a week of Leonardo da Vinci's schedule, and Leonardo da Vinci's schedule was completely insane. Leonardo da Vinci used to take a nap for 20 minutes every four hours and never sleep. That was his that was his daily routine, according to this video. And by doing so, he added his waking hours of his life by something like 20 years. But he tried Benjamin Franklin's routine, and that was the very first one I, that, I'd, that I'd seen. And he... You know, you, uh, he'd drop in every now and then. He'd be telling you what he was doing, what he was up to. And at the end of the day, he had to write down in his journal, you know, what he thought he had achieved that day and how did it correlate to what he imagined he was going to achieve on that day, etc. And then they had one of those, you know, it was day five. And then he did a, he did a little bit to the, the camera and said, I've been journaling like Benjamin Franklin for five days and it is and he said it's incredible the positive effect that keeping a journal has had on me in such a short period of time and he said he was overwhelmed with a sense of gratitude that that sitting down and being present in his own life on a on a daily basis and keep in mind this was only day five but it 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 gathered it gathered it gathered it summoned and it arose in him perhaps no it gave rise to and that might be the one it gave rise to a feeling of gratitude and i couldn't i li i could not help I could not help but just instantly recognize that as a very, very similar thing to to making this podcast. And in in a sense, it's it has been an unintentional audio journal of thinking, of thoughts, ideas, reflections. Uh, some better than others, for sure, for sure. But it, it has been a like there has been just this overwhelming sense of man I'm really really grateful for for almost everything that I've just reflect like not just reflected on now but almost have reflected on over the last 
three episodes over the last 10 episodes over the last 20 episodes you know we're creeping we're creeping up now into we're we're getting we're getting closer to episode 30 we are getting we're getting up there and it's just been uh, it's been a wonderful it's been a wonderful process it's been a wonderful surprise for for that to be the uh for that to be the it's not the symptom of the podcast for that to be the repercussion of the podcast for that to be the the hmm i don't know as the tide of the podcast goes out uh, a sense of of gratitude comes comes back in um yeah so it's it's it that even that insight even that realization i'm i'm again i'm grateful for and it it was interesting hearing that he came to this conclusion from from Ben Franklin, because Ben Franklin was in, in a in a pantheon of insane, crazy men, and and you can you can define that term crazy as you wish, but if you can imagine the kind of uh, men that it would have been to be in that fraternity of men who did what they did. Who declared their independence? Uh, I mean, there are some brave boys there, and I'm sure if at the time it had been standard or it had been um, allowed for there for there to be women in the chamber, there would there would have been some brave boys and some brave girls in there too. But there were some brave, brave boys who who put that who put that document together and put that idea together. But there was one thing that Benjamin Franklin is not particularly well known for is that when they were putting together the and here comes this word again the iconography of what was to be America the idea the American experiment they they had to choose the the animal they had to choose the icon they had to choose the animal that represented the nation and not just represented the nation but represented the idea behind the nation now in Australia, our emblems are the kangaroo and the emu, and I think the kangaroo and the emu are on the fifty-cent coin. And the uh, obviously we have the we have the koala, who is we have the koala who is a bizarre creature, and we have the platypus, which is in a game of trumps. And you're playing your most bizarre card, and someone throws the koala down. The only thing that's going to beat that is the platypus. But the emu is a particularly unusual creature, a very bizarre fella. And as is the kangaroo. The kangaroo is um, it's like half dog, half monkey, half half human, half uh, half snake with that tail. You know, I understand that's a lot of halves. But they are, I think the kangaroo and the emu are, are probably our most official Australian animals. And they both share a beautiful posture. They both stand very, very upright. They both have a, a noble design to them. Even, even though the emu is freakish, is a freakish creature. Absolutely freakish creature. A, a creature whose neck takes up almost half of its body. Very, very peculiar. And then you have the kangaroo who who doesn't necessarily walk, but bounds. 
bounds along. And if you've ever seen a boomer, like a proper boomer, a big uh, six, seven foot fella, and when they're when they're when they're moving, man, they look as powerful as racehorses. They, their movements are obviously completely different. They they look like some very strange uh, spring just locking itself in and then shooting itself forward. And their upper body is is insanely muscly. And they've got yeah they've got they've got like dog's ears on on, on top. And they've got these beautiful uh, like almost black current uh, no. Uh, their nose is made up. If you if you get close enough to really look into a kangaroo's nose, it looks like a blackberry. It's made up of little black, tiny black bubbles. Just just a, a bizarre creature. And then on the fifty cent coin, the kangaroo. I think the kangaroo's on the left, and the emu's on the right. Or it might not be the fifty cent coin. It might be the the actual like the Commonwealth Shield or whatever it is. And these two. Uh, atavistic monsters who have evolved to become whatever whatever they happen to be in the state that they're in at the moment are just staring at each other eye to eye and i have to say it makes you proud to be australian it makes you proud it makes you proud that like that was that that's that's what we present to the world these freaks these absolute freaks but while the while the while the Yanks while the Yankees while the founding fathers were putting together the whole the whole show, and they had to come up with the emblem, and of course, the the American bald eagle is the grand noble, the bird, with outstretched wings and its head turned to the side, and a and a and a, and a beak that looks like a a, a broad. A broad Roman nose and steely eyes that you know reek of confidence and character and trust and strength. And apparently, apparently Benjamin Franklin stood up in the Congress while they were, you know, voting on this because it just came to be the same way everything else comes to be. Comes out through. You know, I'm going to argue for this, I'm going to argue for that, and we'll argue with each other, and we'll make friends with people who we think we're going to vote with us, and all the rest of that. And the bald eagle, the bald eagle had the lead, and everyone, everyone was saying, yep, I think we're going to go with the bald eagle. That truly represents America. That truly represents who we are. And Benjamin Franklin stood up and said, no, that's not, that's not who we are. And he said, the bald eagle is a scavenger. Bald eagle is a, is, a, is a bird of prey. And he wanted, his, his, his idea was to have the turkey to represent America, to, for, the, for the turkey to be the emblem, to be the bird of the nation. The big turkey, you know, the wild turkey that's on the bourbon bottle, the big... The big bush turkey. We have them here in Australia too. Insane creatures. Insane looking creatures. 
uh, creatures that 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 make you believe, if you believe in God, the Creator, that this fella has a sense of humor, even though, even if he didn't put one joke in the Bible, in the Old Testament or the New Testament, this fella ha had a sense of humor. He's gonna make emus, kangaroos, bush turkeys, platypuses, koalas, sloths. And just in case anybody got too comfortable with these with these harmless freaks, he's gonna put a great white shark in the water. He's gonna put Leviathan whales in there. So it's it's very nice to to sit and, and to sit in a in a bird sanctuary with the occasional rod on lawnmower going past. just had to take a short break and it is now well when I say a short break it was a, it was I think it was about a 12 hour break it's now 4.20 in the morning and we're still back on this same bench and I wanted to try and uh, I wanted to just try and, and capture the, the morning in this bird sanctuary There's, a, there's enough light, you can just kind of see the outlines of the trees. And I guess I didn't get up early enough because it, it seems like, it seems like all the birds are already awake. I did hear, I heard a sermon once and sometimes, sometimes uh, sermons can be really, well, it's like anything else. They can be really, really well written. Or they can just be awful. They can just be, they can be a, a sermon that someone pulls from the, from the second drawer on the desk that they've been kicking around for a while. But I do remember, I haven't been... I haven't been to a to a church in a very very long time, but I do remember years ago, years and years and years ago, it still st stood out. I don't even know where I was, but there was this image that this minister was had had in in his sermon, and it was a it was about the earth turning. And the sun touching the darkness of the earth as it turned. And birds all across the earth as the earth turned. That as the sun, as the light touched the darkness, birds would awake and start singing. And the way he phrased it, it just made the image of this of this earth coming to light, coming to life with the light and with the sound of, of these, of, of all these birds. And he, he said it was as if that, it was as if the earth was awake, was awakening in this state of, of worship, of, of this state of life. 
and as the as the earth turned, it it, it became a musical, uh, a musical force. Now, just as I said that, here comes a four wheel drive, another four wheel drive, cutting through it all. And there are the birds, and the birds remain once the four-wheel drive has passed. It's it is a very uh, it's a very glorious part of being alive. And maybe that's maybe that's where that word glorious comes from. That uh, the. The, the minister was talking about the birds reflecting the glory of God, the glory of the source, the glory of the creator. You have to go, you have to, you don't have to, you don't have to do anything. Well, you do have to do a few things, but you don't have to do much if you really don't want to. We have to think that's a pretty beautiful thing for a creator to put in place. And this spinning rock that turns and when the other when the when the ball of nuclear fire hits that spinning rock, the rock comes to life with music. <laughs> 